previously on the low post. And I, I checked with the league office two years ago and I was like, how much positional flexibility do the coaches actually have? And what was relayed to me was basically you can do almost whatever you want within like any kind of reason, any stretch of the imagination to get the seven that you deserve on the team. So I just kind of stopped dealing with all that and just here are the seven. And then Drew Holiday, who you know, I think his his importance to the Bucks has been underscored by his absence this season. He's, he's pretty clearly in my mind been their second best player after Giannis ahead of Chris Middleton. I had Drew Holiday as a lock for all the reasons that you just said. You know, he's at 18, six and six or 18, six and five on really good shooting. Obviously he's an elite defender. I probably still have him in, but he's slumped a little bit. I just have a hard time watching the Cavs they're both they've both been awesome and I kind of want to find room for both of them but then I have to then I have to bump Drew Holiday and so I, I'm kind of stuck with what to do there there are five that I think um you and I agree on Butler Van Vliet slash Young Levine Harden well that's four actually uh and then there are three spots for like Holiday Garland Allen and then you get into the Sabonis Tatum Three spots for Holiday, Garland, Allen, Tatum. That's where that those are the next four guys for three spots. Who do I want to leave off? I'm not really sure. Then let me ask you about a couple of other guys. Pascal Siakam. Has he made a push for you? I mean, his numbers are really good at Previously on the Ringer NBA show. Um, all right, let's let's pivot to the East here because we have a lot of disagreement here. Um, we all have Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum and James Harden and Zach Levine. Although Rob, you had Levine as a starter, you yeah. put DeRozan as a reserve. Uh, Waz, you had Lowry. Rob, correct me if I'm wrong, but we both had Jared Allen, Fred VanVleet, and Drew Holiday. The Drew Holiday spot is the one I waffle on depending on the day. To me, that last spot is either Drew Holiday, LaMelo Ball, Darius Garland. I could be talked into any of those three, uh, depending depending on how I'm feeling on that particular day. And of late, I find myself leaning more toward Holiday or LaMelo in particular. I think Darius Garland's had an incredible season, one of the primary drivers of Cleveland's offensive success so far. I think those other two guys are on, on a slightly different level, and so it's just a matter of like, do you pick this guy in LaMelo, who's not only a primary option for his team, but the, really the engine of their success, or do you pick this high achiever on a better team? Previously on Locked on Bucks. So when it comes to consistency, I mentioned Devin Booker, and I know there's going to be people out there rolling their eyes. They're saying, well, Devin Booker is a superstar. You can't compare Chris Middleton to Devin Booker. Well, I, I think you actually can, particularly when it comes to the conversation around consistency because this is what you always hear and you'll hear it from Bucks fans. Well, Chris Milton is inconsistent. He's an inconsistent player. Well, I gotta break it to you guys. This is the NBA. This is the, the life of a volume scorer, of a number one option on the perimeter, which is what Chris Milton is in his team. Does he always have the ball in his hands? No, but he is the guy that they'll throw the ball to and say, hey, get us a bucket. And he's uh, the Tough Shot Express. We know this with Chris Milton. So Devin Booker this year, who everyone said is an automatic all-star. He's averaging five more points per game than Chris Milton this season, but he's also taken five more shots per game. So you work that out. You want to give Chris Milton, if you really want Chris Milton to get 25 points a game, give him five more shots and he will do that for you. And when it comes to consistency, all the top guys are inconsistent and they'll have their off nights. So I went back to the game log from last year's postseason where Devin Booker was having his breakout performance, superstar. Everyone loves Devin Booker. Some of the shooting performances he had across the playoffs, 
6 for 19, 5 for 16, 5 for 21, 5 for 22, 8 for 21, 3 for 14, and 8 for 22. So, yes, he had big games, but not shocking to anyone who watches the NBA. He also had some rough nights. This is the life of a scorer, so the consistency conversation with Chris Milton has always been overblown for me. Over the course of the season, you know what you're going to get. 20 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. Yeah, he's going to have some off nights. That's what happens. You know, I think the Devin Booker thing as well is the way Devin has to score at his size. I mean, he's, he's still a big shooting guard. He's still, you know, yeah. a decently sized wing. But Chris has more length and height. So Devin has to be a volume scorer and, or just a you know, scorer in general by creating a, a lot more space. So his step backs and being more creative um, with his separation moves. Whereas Chris, Chris can thrive with somebody, you know, if, if I had bruised the dog on me, if somebody's <laughs> right in Chris's grill, Chris will still rise and fire and knock down that shot. Now, it, it's two different styles of getting their points, um, but one is flashier than the other. I think I think Devin's is, but it doesn't make Chris's any less effective, to your point. Um, and I think also what is undervalued in Chris is there are so many times that I've watched the Bucks game in the past, and now I've confirmed my theories as I watch the box score, and Chris is two of nine, and then he's got shooter's amnesia. He doesn't care about two of nine. It's the fourth quarter. You give it to him on the wing. You need your bucket getter to get a bucket, and he finds that silky smooth mid-range J, and he knocks it in. So I tend to think it's 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 unfair to judge Chris Middleton on that consistency level because even when he's inconsistent in terms of if, if he has that five for 21 game that Devin Booker had, I guarantee one of those five was a massive bucket and a critical moment for their team when they needed it most. Well, there's no doubt. And to be clear, I'm not saying that Chris Middleton is a better player than Devin Booker. I'm not saying he's a, even a similar player to Devin Booker. It's just making a comparison of a guy that that is a seen as, widely seen as a superstar caliber player in the NBA that also goes through it. It's difficult. And like you said, uh, the best players in the league will catch fire when you need them most. Again, go back to much last year's postseason and it was uh, in the third quarter. It was in the fourth quarter when he was having those 20-point outbursts. That's what stars do. He's probably never going to be viewed on that level, but I'll continue to push for it. That's uh, that's that's the point I'm, I'm making here with Chris Milton. And he's not as cool. You said that Devin Booker might look cooler. So this is the thing. Chris Milton doesn't, and by the way, he doesn't care about this, but he's never going to be viewed as a quote-unquote cool NBA player because he just rocks up. He's quiet. He doesn't like doing the media. He, he doesn't wear you know, crazy outfits or, or show up in sports cars like Devin Booker does. He doesn't do any of that, which does count to how you're viewed in the, the wider NBA landscape. I'm okay with that, though. You yes. know what I mean? It keeps Every, him, it every keeps Bucks him, fan should be. Yeah, it keeps him under the radar. Um, and like, it, 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 I will be glad if we continue to have people be shocked by Chris Middleton hitting a, a tough shot in a late game situation because he's been doing it. And so if yeah. you're just, if you're shocked by it, you're just not paying attention anymore. No, I agree. But anyway, we can we can draw it close to this Chris Middleton conversation. But just in general, it's it's been a, a bugbear of mine for multiple years, and also just from Bucks fans as well. That I just think you know we're going to look back at Chris Middleton, and now you have the title, we have the multi multi All Star appearances that he's going to have, and you're going to look back at him, and he's going to be one of the best. He's going to be one of the best that have played for Milwaukee when you include the longevity, the numbers 
big game yeah. moments that he's had. So all-time three-point scorer. I mean, like, he's like oh, how is that forgotten already? A respect for Chris. That's all we're asking for here. So look, I have to go to work in a half hour. Start your timers now. But this is going to be twenty minutes, or we'll finish this later. I don't know what else to say. Here's the thing. I, ultimately, this podcast is about what I want to talk about. I don't know. If you're the kind of person, of which there are many of you who I can see by the numbers, just listen to it first thing. Thank you so much for you people. I, I appreciate it. Um, well, look, I don't... There's no <laughs> there's nothing monetary with that, but I appreciate Like I can see... If I upload an episode at midnight, um, I don't know if it's the Australian listeners or what it particularly is, but a lot of people listen, then I'll wake up at five in the morning and um, I would say a lot of people listen right away. You people are awesome. Um, So what am I supposed to do here with this? Do you want me to play the hits? Like, I really actually don't like repeating myself. I would like to clarify. So I'm just going to ramble. I'm not on my phone, but this would be a ramble into your phone kind of episode. Frankly, um, last two episodes, I don't know. I found found very fun and and successful. Obviously, um, Frank Madden, again, just as much fun as the first time. Pretty cool episode. Um... And very well received, and then the second annual Tetonia World, Tetonia, two Tonys, as Mr. McGee would say. Yeah, man, like all, all this stuff was really, really cool. Maybe we'll, there's probably some stories associated with that at some point. But again, the clock is ticking. And actually, come to think of it, perhaps what you'll get with this episode is me talking for a minute and then going to work and deciding I'm not going to upload it because it's not up to my quality control standards. In which case, you'll get something 12 hours from now and i'll tell you if there's an edit um the cane thing so i don't i don't know how me playing a cane clip is dirty pool none of those guys have ever told me that it's dirty pool this is what people have said and put out to their thousands of listeners it's just what people have said right and frankly, I feel like, I mean, it's all, it's all, it's all fair. All, all's fair in love and war. I, Eric used to do this. Um, Eric had kind of back channel, way more of a sense of humor about it. Uh, Kane, it's kind of hard to tell sometimes, but again, whatever, man. Like, I really feel like they're pretty much have been like. There's this weird kind of subtweet. It is an excellent political trick that people kind of do. Uh, perhaps you've noticed this even way before the last couple of years it's it's very effective on any side of a person who wants to use this where they kind of talk about some marginalized group and pretend like the marginalized uh, group is is the thing Uh, there's been kind of a five six year thing of people talking about the chris middleton quote-unquote haters as if they're some kind of large group some large vocal group uh no uh, it's so malign, and so then they can kind of feel feel sorry for for this guy who grifted 175 million dollars out of us. Um, moving on, but it, I, even I feel kind of uncomfortable playing that clip. Um, but like he said it right, 
it's fine. I mean, if he, if he wants to stand by what he says or issue a retraction, or I doubt that he would, then that's fine. But I'm not making fun of Kane. Again, guest of the show, um, guest of the award show also. I, man, he said it. Um, I personally, again, I, I don't know. So, so you guys listen to the Frank Madden episode. I'm looking Frank Madden in his eyeballs. I, again, I thought I did an excellent job just doing like a five-minute touch on on all these kind of things i haven't done a man it's outrageous the middleton made the all-star game conversation which is an evergreen topic and again every every episode for this podcast turns into the chris middleton episode i thought that packers analogy that i use is a little half-baked i just kind of whipped that out on the spot but what i was really trying to communicate with that is the same thing we're always trying to say which is if Giannis is rogers then that early group of Packers receivers was just loaded and it's weird and and this didn't happen with Jordy Nelson but it was like I said it was just something that I threw out it'd be weird if one guy got all the credit it'd be weird if Eric Bledsoe was better than Chris Middleton for a year but Chris Middleton got the credit for that year and Madden freely admitted to that one on that year um I feel like they kind of whistled past that pretty quickly when it was actually happening in 2019. I mean, they acknowledged it and moved on. But so it, it just mattered again to me. I'm into I'm I'm interested in a bunch of things, but I'm always interested into basketball and the history of kind of basketball and this what like like this podcast has been so interesting the last couple of years with the Bucks winning the championship. I still haven't had time to go back and bury Scottie Pippen. Was like there's just stuff that bothers you. Right, so it actually matters to me that the story of the Bucks, which is a team that I care most about, will be like this ten-year love affair between Giannis and Chris. Like it, even as you said in the clip, like just to hear, oh, Giannis, six-time All-Star, Chris, three-time All-Star, implies something, right? He's still a one-time All-Star, and this was—it's so hard to say whether 2019 or 2021 is. Um, are we calling this 2022? I guess this is 2022. Um. Yeah, because the bubble year. We always forget the bubble year. Um, it's hard to say whether 2019 or, or this year is more egregious. They were just both incredibly egregious. He didn't deserve it at all. And I played the Zach Lowe clip. There's more clips that could be pulled, but you get the point. People weren't even talking about him. Even with Duran out, people weren't talking about him at all. And for him to get the credit. like So throughout these years, he deserves his little sliver of the credit. And I don't mean little sliver. He deserves his appropriate bit of the credit for what's taken place and if you guys listen to me i think you could read between the lines because i'm always just gonna say what i feel about this stuff i know great big cookie for me for for being that way i just like this isn't the podcast where i i don't want to hurt people's feelings and i'm not saying that i do but like we're just we're just gonna shoot from the hip here he got way too much credit for this stuff and because i'm interested in messaging and branding and propaganda and all these kind of things it was real weird to me as i know it was real weird to you when early in the year there was like this thing of he starts out maybe he plays decent the first couple of games and then it's bad and we're playing bad and there's bad losses just kind of from the jump after the net it took some of the podcasts a week a couple of weeks to be like eh, not great so far but it was bad there were bad losses there were bad performances by him and kind of your typical listless performances and even marcus who obviously marcus is the best they start they start putting out oppo stuff 
right? They start putting out messaging and like bizarre 20 point game street kind of stats. And we're like, that's at least I was like, well, that's not really a thing. Like, oh, but he's got, you know, maybe Chris should pick it up a little bit, but hey, um, five straight 20 point games. And yes, it's the local broadcast, but you're like, what are they doing by this? And actually, if I was smarter, I really should have known the fix was in when Marcus tweeted out. Marcus either tweeted or on the broadcast, but started saying, why shouldn't he get an all-star appearance based on last year's playoffs? And I thought that was odd at the time, but didn't comment on it. Not like I would tweet at Mr. Johnson about that anyway. But there just started to be kind of messaging things. And this is where... Frankly, um, the media, the media guys, the media guys and the podcast guys, like Eric Bledsoe's blood is on your hands, and Drew Bledsoe's <laughs> Drew Bledsoe, no, I'm doing Drew Holiday's. Like, I, I think, given what Drew Holiday has done for us, and given that he played better this year, and given that we were probably going to get two All Stars, like we're not having this conversation if we have three All Stars. I'm really not. We could be like, yeah, Chris doesn't deserve it, but I'm all here for the three all-star celebration. Um, Don't you think Drew Holiday deserves to be recognized for his defensive efforts and his efforts in making the greatest play in Milwaukee Bucks history and all the other stuff that he did? They both showed up in the box score and didn't show up at the box score. Drew Holiday steals the ball, throws it to Giannis. Giannis misses the free throw. Drew Holiday is the only reason we get that rebound to have Giannis tip it again, that it goes out to Chris. All the stuff that Drew did on Booker and Chris Paul. He he, deserve, he deserves to be acknowledged. We would agree, and that would actually be more equitable and fair. Like, it's not an accurate snapshot of the things that have t- taken place to have Chris Middleton get all the credit for basically what is Giannis way, way, way up here. And then a bunch of guys playing well beneath him. And if you want to argue that sometimes Chris is the first amongst equals in that secondary group, fine. All I'm saying, though, with this is the messaging was weird. The messaging started to be weird. And it's it's really like there's a hierarchy to these, at least I would imagine. I mean, like on some level to the extent that Zach Lowe or these other guys are checking for what the local guys are saying or Simmons or any of these guys, they're wondering and there just wasn't a messaging out. Like it wasn't well known that every single Bucks man who's been watching all the games thinks clearly Drew Holiday is the second best Buck this year. That Drew Holiday is the most deserving to represent the Bucks. And even all the stuff we witnessed in the playoffs and in the finals and then Drew Holiday being like the second most dominant player in the Olympics and the fact that everybody can drive by Chris Middleton whatever they want, like that message really didn't get out because people don't like talking bad about Chris. And those people try to make it seem like it's because the vocal minority who hate on Chris, but really they just are in the tank for Chris Middleton. And I would just like those people to kind of come clean on that. But to the extent that you listening to this agree with 100% of that or like half of it or like none of it, I'm just saying it was weird. Well, it was weird to me last year when people kept calling an all-star year when he an all-star last year when he didn't make it. And even Frank did this kind of thing. And I'm not calling Frank a liar, but 
people did. Well, like, yeah, I thought he should have made it last year. It's like, no, you didn't. You want receipts on that? Like, maybe, I'm not saying you did, but, like, no one was saying that, right? Even after um, Durant went out, it was like, okay, we're giving it to to them, to Sabonis. Like, everyone kind of understood because we just kind of whistle past all the stuff. So, again, 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 guys, I got to go to work. Variance. Variance. Please understand, if you can understand this at all, like, I'm not trying to take away your affection for what Middleton quote unquote did last year in the playoffs. But I guess I'm just really good at understanding this stuff in real time. And people were like, he saved us. He saved us in the Hawks series. Aren't you glad that Chris Middleton won you a title? He didn't know. No. First of all, we played 23 games in the playoffs last year. No one would say he played well. In, or And again, this is where we're, we're parsing. What do you mean? Like at an all-star level? Well, is did he play well in the first couple of Phoenix games, I would say no. So you can parse it out whether it's like awful. Obviously, there's going to be a great gap between whether I'm saying he played awful in a game or whether he played at an all-star level. I don't think anyone can say he played good in 10 out of those games. Far less than half. Matt and kind of Blanche. But it's really, it was like one and a half to two and a half games where he played well any series. So when you talk about levels of players, this is basically what you would expect. It's similarly, I think, um, well, we played Tobes last night. We played Tobes the other night. Tobes had some monster half. Um, th- there are guys who were levels below him. Reggie Jackson caught fire in the finals, or in the um, WCF, I think, or maybe it was around before against the Jazz. I forget which. Like, pretty good NBA players catch fire in these series, which is to say nothing of Jamal Murray in the bubble or the Sleepy Floyd game or all these kind of things. So people want to remember stuff. And again, I, I thought we weren't about counting stats. People people kind of get caught up in round numbers like 40 points. And then it's like, well, was he 15 to 33? Did he kind of grift some of the free throws at the end? Blah, 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 blah. One and a half good games in the Sun series. I would say two and a half good games in the Nets series. I think you have to give him credit for game six. But people, even like games five or six against Atlanta, I, like I don't want to talk about all this. It's 846. I don't need to talk about all this. I'm just saying the biggest thing, Yeah, if I have to restrain myself to saying only one thing right now, man, it's still going to be two things. Thing number one is Chris Middleton wants somebody else to win these games. Um, what you will not hear me say, and you will never hear me say, um, Deep Fried Badger, I want to say said this last night, or people kind of continually say this. So like, I don't think you should give Chris the ball at the end of the games because I never think you should give Chris the... We've got the like a tremendous sample size about all this kind of stuff. People tend to give him credit for... like Obviously, full marks for, for hitting buzzer beaters. Um, he tends to do that with the score tied, which you tend not to get is what I thought was a great expansion of his game where they were just kind of clearing out to give him the ball some some games against the Nets and he hit two out of five of those or two out of four of those. Um, we've given him the ball at the end of games in regular season for 10 years. Maybe you can call that seven years. Many, many, many times it ends in massive failure, but shooters got to shoot. The way the game was feeling, I was like, he's going to hit one of these shots. He's absolutely going to hit one of these shots, and we're going to lose in overtime. And people will be like, "See, Chris," and then sometime, and then people will put it on like some dumb graphic about uh, winning or tying. And like, I was like, "Oh, he's going to hit one of these shots." Like, I've seen this movie before. And then he didn't hit one of those shots. He's here to take those shots. But again, what I complained about last episode and what I've been complaining about for a year is 
we don't have a plan at the end of games and people like frank like more than anything else like his eyebrows went up at that and it's like no they just take a turn okay drew's gonna try something if it goes in great and i just try not to be a hypocrite about this because i played ball it's a make or miss league like I don't have a problem with anything that happens. Like, people were furious at the two bad Nora plays. Like, this is the best Nora game you're probably going to get. Um, I'm not sure Jordan, in other news, I'm not sure Jordan Nora is going to work out. But but here's the thing. So thing number one is the whole long conversation. So maybe I'll clip the whole long conversation. You go ahead, Bucks fan, and dig into the playoff numbers and how that how those games actually went at your leisure. I feel like I've talked about this a lot. There was very much a feeling for me and some of the fellas we didn't want to rain on anybody's parade through the playoffs, but we kept saying there's a record. None of those episodes are deleted. By the way, I put the things that we said that ended up seeming wrong or were wrong right in the montage, right? So you can go back and listen to the montage. We're just going to say what we think in every moment, which is why this is the best podcast ever. But so so forget all the playoffs. You can parse through all that. I just can't express enough how much it bothers me that Chris Middleton just wants somebody else to win all these games. And nothing makes him happier than the Bucks getting a lead on the backs of kind of first half Grayson Allen performances or Bobby Portis performances or like we get a lead and now it's now it's Chris's time to grift and he'll grift kind of second quarter third quarter in the bonus let me this now's my time to fall down a couple times let me get a couple of shots up like it's transparent i'm not saying it like it's treasonous but it's really obvious when you see it and like he wants somebody else to get going now if all else fails and we're down 0-2 in the playoffs and then the game plan becomes hey chris you've got to take a bunch of shots he's going to take a bunch of shots and he's going to be you know 14 to 31 with four turnovers that never get talked about and that's still fine. But even that's like a last resort. That's a last resort. He was awful. Awful. As bad as a player can play in the first, second, and fourth quarters of Atlanta Game 6. And they're like, dude, you got to shoot. And he got hot. And full marks to him for doing that. But that's what he should be doing every game. Like, this isn't like a statistical. This isn't an efficiency contest. It's a, This should be the title of the episode. It's not an, basketball is not an efficiency contest. It's a winning contest. Right? So go ahead and shoot. So you, what you'll never hear me say is he shouldn't be shooting. Go ahead and shoot. I don't care if he's two for ten. Like I strikingly disagree with Windish or whoever else was saying that last night. No, keep shooting. But again, like, so I think you guys probably heard after the Heat series out. After the Heat series, I was trying to soften a little bit because I said the Heat were going to take us right to seven. And again, process versus results. I was right. The heat just didn't show up. I mean, you know, stuff happens. And I was like, you should really appreciate this. If you listen to that episode, because I had to listen. To, I had to listen to it. So how do, how do I construct the the awards? I don't actually like to listen to these episodes, but I listen. To, you listen to every episode on like one and a half speed and in my pocket while I'm doing something. And then if I hear something that may be used, I take a screenshot of it. And I just screenshot after screenshot after screenshot. And I use about half of them. And actually, there's some pretty decent stuff that ended up on the cutting room floor. But that's that, that's how that um, comes to be. But when I was listening to the episode after the Heat series, I just kept saying, man, we should really enjoy this because the Nets are coming and we're not that good. And I kept saying we're not that good. And nobody gets any runs saying the Bucks aren't that good. Man, Giannis, I'm so proud of Giannis. Diving on the floor, Giannis. Shooting the mid-range, Giannis. Going, the baseline turnaround, Giannis. The... 
Like, there's just no back down. Embiid was really, really hot. And we don't dog. We don't, we don't have time to talk about the officiating. The officiating was completely garbage. But that is what that is. I, I, I thought... I thought it's just abysmal. Like, it, it, I could do another 20 minutes on the officiating. But, I mean, Embiid was doing Chris stuff, like getting the Chris calls. So we, we need to move on. We'll touch on some of this later. I'm sure this will be an evergreen thing. But again, like, I don't hate the guy. Like, I'm super happy when he's hot. I'm super happy when he plays well. What we kept saying and what you continue to see, and there was really only one game to parse it out where the big three of the Bucks played well. That's why I knew Portis was important. That's why, like, just, just breaking it down. And people do this dumb thing where they look at accumulated stats, the stats of January. Like, man, it... The stats for January. Can't, no time to talk about the stats for January as the Bucks were 6-8 and eight with Middleton and a bunch of turnovers. And it was like, oh, the stats of the scoring, the PPGs are slightly up. Okay, great. No time to talk about that. But because the three of them really only played good in Game 5 against Phoenix, like, that's what we've seen. So, like, the three of them don't mesh. And I just don't know why people don't see that the three of them don't mesh. And I'm not... Drew is better than Chris. But it's pretty incremental. Drew is an awful playmaker. And we just kept like, Drew is Drew is not that good. Chris is not that good. They are the level below All-Stars. Drew deserved the All-Star in the same way that uh, Super Bledsoe deserved the All-Star in 2019. But it is what it is. It, it is what it is. They're, they're not that good. They're the level below All-Star. We've said that forever. However, 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 perhaps the last thought here. And we'll touch base on some of this. I just... Don't know when we're going to talk about how everyone is can now blow by him defensively. Which is actually why the steals are up. I actually thought, I don't know if anyone's talked about this. I thought a pretty good, like I'm not happy with it. But the reason Chris started getting all the five steal games is, and I actually thought this was a wily bet move. He just started hacking people. Everybody is walking by him. I mean, this has been the case for three years, but now, like, people, like, it doesn't matter. There's no crossovers. People are just going to their strong hand and walking by Middleton. And Middleton has started more than in previous years just swiping at them. And sometimes steals come from that or just hanging in the passing lanes. Or dog. Like, have you ever seen him bucket hang more than he's been doing the last 10 games? Like, oh, people were like, oh, that's hilarious. Like, there was one, was it the Clippers game? Where he like was at the other free throw line on the baseball pass and he got a dunk and they're like, oh, you know, Eric Cash or whatever the Bucks account tweeted out. And it's like, so, so to sum up, <laughs> he's bucket hanging. Uh, but the thing I want to say is he's also getting a shot block now more than you've ever seen. Um, the fadeaway is perhaps the most unstoppable shot in basketball, except for when people really know it's coming. And occasionally if you're slow and old and not in shape and lazy like Chris Middleton, then people can now outflank it. And that's, I think it was Simons. Maybe a couple times the other game, Zubac uh, blocked him just on, a, on an ISO the other night. And that's where I've always had kind of some sympathy with this guy because I think he instinctively knows that. I'm sure it happens a lot in practice. I don't know if they let like Giannis, Giannis guard him in practice, but that's part of the reason he's clearly just not decisive enough is just because he's like... I think people can block his shot. That's also why he always has to grift and fall down. Him grifting and falling down is has always been just a a defensive tactic, like a protective tactic against people just standing in front of him and blocking a shot, which makes perfect sense. 
Right. So can he play better? He can play a little bit better. I just want to say this again. He's not that good, and he's getting now in All-Star Weekend, again, all the credit for being a guy who was just another part of, like, Brooke Lopez. We were talking about Brooke Lopez, maybe Defensive Player of the Year. Brooke Lopez, when he was good, was very important. We see how impactful he is. We knew how good Brogdon was when he was on the court. Again, and I don't mean, like, how good better than just another pretty good guy. We see how good. That's the thing, too. Like, Portis. I've been tinkering with this idea that I'd rather have Portis the middle than it doesn't matter. And it's like cap wise, trade wise, it doesn't matter. But like Portis might go two for nine, but like you saw when he was like hit eight threes or however many threes, like he'll go nine for, or maybe it was just from the floor, but he'll go nine for 11, no problem. Like that's what Middleton should be. And even now, still, there are 17 footers to be had. I think the problem is he's still like has a desire to get the rhythm in the mid range. And he just like, again, if we had a good coach, if we had any kind of coaching whatsoever, somebody would have told him, look, it's, it's your time just to do things. And he has to like take the 17 footer. Cause that's the, the, in the pick and roll, he's got that moment. And he's still going to look and look and see what else is going. And he'd rather pass it to Grayson. He'd just rather somebody else bail him out. Cause he's more like, he's not a choker. He's just a coward. And that's kind of more the thing. But if we're up 10, it's great. And then it's his time to kind of get the numbers up. But I think what we've seen and what we saw in the Heat series, I think what we saw in the 2019 Celtics series, it's not like I'm saying he's not a different difference maker. He's like a jack that we have in the deck. He, or he's like a like the queen of hearts and spades. Like he, like he might carry the book, but we're just kind of waiting to see what happens. And so, yes, this is a down stretch for the team. And... I should talk about again. Like I'm not disappointed in Drew because I don't think a lot of people talk about Drew any more glowingly than than I do. Um, clearly the second best player. Clearly not really on that level either. But clearly again, so Drew's not scared. Bobby isn't scared. Giannis isn't scared. I'm really starting to question Giannis's leadership with keeping these guys together. And we're about one episode away from me saying that. You know, PJ, the PJ of the thing, at least for one season, is like far more valuable than I would have even thought. Um, so, it, yeah, 858. Let me just get out of here. I just, again, it's the weirdest thing about kind of messaging and propaganda. It was like everybody agreed Middleton was playing awful. I've been kicked out of real GM since the second game of the Net series. Because that guy, Mickey Davis, is an idiot. For no, for no reason. For no reason at all. I've been kicked off since then. I can't hurt them anymore with my anti-Middleton takes, right? And so, but there are Middleton trade proposals up on Real GM right now. Like, I didn't put those up, right? I didn't, <laughs> I didn't put those up for Halliburton. Like, it's basically like, man, you think we get Halliburton for Middleton? And it's like, where's the foresight? Where's the foresight with all this? So now we got this overpaid guy overpaid overregarded guy who can't move anymore and we're basically just hoping like maybe he can get hot like every other player in the nba um i think maybe we'll talk about the soup I, I don't know like does anybody really want a super bowl take um like a super late Maybe we'll talk about some of that kind of stuff later. I don't want to talk about Boba Fett because I think we're going to talk about that a little bit later too. Um, continue to love, continue to love the Bucks. 
I will. I'm saying you should. Like, this is not... Continue to love the team. Continue, like... There is some degree of optimism about Brooke coming back, so... Like, I wouldn't worry too much about that. But, like, we're not that good. Uh, I didn't... I'm, I think the Nets are coming out of the East. Like, I did... Man, dude, I don't even really have time to get into the trade stuff. We'll stop here. There's a lot more to say. Maybe we'll do a supplementary episode Sunday. But, yeah, man.